Ahoy! I'm the comic Ahoy! I'm the comic hunter, also known as just Hunter. You gotta think of the guys wearing earbuds. Hello there, I'm History of the Flash, but you can call me JD. And welcome to your story episode 75. We're at episode 75. This is Insanity. a milestone. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, so those of you just joining us on Hero Story, Hero Story is a podcast all about superheroes, where we go over comics from Marvel, DC, just ranging from all sorts of things like that. Usually we go over live action stuff, comic stuff, we review all the comics that came out this week that we read, which is usually a majority of the popular ones. Though, this week, Happy New Year, it is, well, I guess it's not New Year's for if you're listening to this, but it is a new year and the end of a decade, so this episode's going to be a little bit different and a little bit special since it's, you know, episode 75, a milestone. We are going to go over our top five comics of 2019, I guess runs in general, miniseries count. And our top 10 comics of the entire decade from 2010 to 2019. Just what our favorite stories were. Or, or runs. You know. Did, I, I did mine on runs. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did mine with uh, ongoing slash minis. Okay, yeah. So we don't know each other's list for any of these. But we're going to talk into it. Uh, our top five comics 2019 is what we're going to start with. We're kind of just going to power through that. And then really get deep with the decade of comics. How we thought... Marvel and DC did in comics for the decade, talking about our favorite runs, and honestly, most of these are my favorite runs of all time. So, with that being said, anything you want to add? No, I'm ready to jump right in. Well, I'm I guess excited. we'll we're also might be taking some questions afterwards, just to end off the episode with a little mini Q&A of very last minute things as I was trying to fix the podcast and JD was just asking people to send us questions, so, yeah. Yeah, I thought it'd be fun. Yeah. So, well, I guess we'll start off with our top five comics of 2019. I have my list. You have yours. Do you want to start with your number five? Yeah, I'll start with my number five. So, my number five of 2019 runs is Snyder's Justice League. I okay. thought it would be higher at the beginning of the year, given how much I was enjoying it. But I think the Justice Doom War was very disappointing. That being said, I still enjoyed uh, the majority of the run for the beginning of the year. So, it had to make the list for the top five of 2019. I thought it was a nice, refreshing take on the Justice League after... The Christopher Priest Justice League, which I didn't like that much, and I can't even remember who did the original Justice League. Uh, uh, Ryan Hitch, maybe? Hitch, yeah, you're right. W- wasn't a huge fan of that either, so I was refreshing to see Snyder's Justice League. I thought it did a lot of good work, even though there's some things that I didn't like, and 2019 derailed it a little bit. I mean, now it's over, I guess, but uh, yeah, I still enjoyed it enough to make it in the top five. Nice. My number five is Justice League as well. For the same reasons as you just said, I think it started off really well. Fit Dimension is one of my favorite arcs too. I thought that was fantastic. Oh, so good. And it was so good to see the John flashbacks. Oh, yeah, so and just the Superman punch is so freaking cool. George Jim George Jimnez, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, was on art uh, for the entire, all three issues. There's only three issues, but it's one of my favorite. I think it might be one of my favorite arcs of the year just in all comics in general. So I really like oh, the start sure. of it. Yeah, like, I think it was a fantastic series, besides the Hawkgirl arc, up until yeah. around mid-November, then it started to go down a little bit. I did enjoy the yeah. last issue, though, and I'm looking forward to the next one, which is next week, I believe. Yeah, you're so, right. Uh, number four? Number four, The Flash by Joshua Williamson. I didn't think this would be on the list, but uh, Williamson did a good job this year, I thought. I thought he's gotten a lot more consistent as he's writing The Flash. He's definitely reached his groove where he feels more comfortable. I think he's writing fun stories. I think he's writing interesting stories. I've always thought he's a good idea, man, and it's nice to see those ideas being executed properly. 
I'm not crazy about the current arc, but I think his work throughout the year has proved to be very good. I'm he's great. Surprised at... we didn't get to the. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna add. He's great at fan service in a good way. Oh, for sure. And uh, I thought we were gonna be getting to some Bart Allen stuff and the, who the big bad that Godspeed's working for, which they said we're gonna explore throughout 2019. But I guess they pushed it back a little bit so it could line up with the Flash 750. So That's I'm excited for that next year. That's a, well, this year technically. Yes, you're right. This year. Mine is that it? Is that all you want to add? Yeah. Okay. My number four is the Flash Forward. So, Wally West Mini. Freaky, we had the same five or four. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's still a flashbook. So, Flash Forward is the miniseries with Wally West. Uh, It's been a lot of fun so far. Brett Booth is on art, which is in a way nostalgic for those New 52 Flash fans when he was ending the series. And he draws a great Wally West, as we've known from Titans. Uh, it's just and he designed fun. the rebirth suit. Yeah, that's right. And plus, with a little bit of a black lightning coming. Well, not not the character, nice, but nice the light- like galaxy type lightning. Yeah, exactly. It's really cool. It's just it's a really fun book. And I honestly, when I heard that it would be was going to be about Wally West just going through the multiverse, I was just kind of like, eh. but it is really fun. And the world that he's going to is a lot more unique and more fun than I would say Young Justice multiverse story is going right now. Yeah. I mean, he's going to an Earth based on Marvel characters. He's going to a vampire Earth. Uh, It's just more interesting. So, yeah. Flash Forward is my number four. Nice. Uh, Flash Forward is not on my list. I'll say that straight out before I get to the Oh, wow. Okay, whoa. It's it's an honorable mention, though. I was close to putting it in the five slot, but just because we've only gotten three issues, I didn't didn't think it would be fair. Uh, That's fair, yeah. We've only gotten a few. So. I looked at all the comics, like I have my comic box in my room, and I was looking at all the comics that have come out in 2019, and honestly, I was thinking, like, when I first picked this up, what did I read first? And Flash Forward was usually one of the first things I read when it came out, except for the last issue, because it, it was on the biggest comic day of the year. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's my That's number fair. four. All right, uh, number three, House slash Power of X. I know I'm going to combine them into okay, one. Okay, my, my number three is that too. I'll straight up say Okay. <laughs> so we can discuss this together. Yeah. Uh, I think we discussed this a lot on the podcast. I think it was really great. It was a good jumping on point for X-Men fans such as us that had never really read them in single issue before and were ready to jump on. I think Hickman did a really good job with the series. He set up a lot in just 12 issues. I loved the speed of it coming out uh you know doomsday clock can never it was weekly which was amazing and uh yeah i I just really enjoyed the series yeah me too i mean it got me into x-men again uh it's it was never delayed which was nice and it was a story that was at the time kind of as big as doomsday clock so well just because doomsday clock was being delayed it's like oh while we wait for the next issue let's read house of x powers of x and it was fantastic so yeah yeah for sure Okay, number two, Doomsday Clock. I thought this was going to be number one, but I'm going to say number one for an ongoing. Yeah, okay. I I thought Doomsday Clock is awesome. Um, But given that it only had like two, what, three issues in in 2019, I didn't want to give too much uh, to it. But it was, you know, an all-time great series. I think one of the best comics of all time, in my opinion. I think it tied the Watchmen into the DC Universe great. I thought the ending was just fantastic. I mean, you probably heard our podcast. If you're a usual listener, you heard our podcast about it. If not, go check it out. But, uh, you know, we, we really loved the end of Doomsday Clock, so it's got to be number two for me. I, I thought it was really good, a great wrap-up. And though it took forever, I think it was worth the wait. All right, nice. My number two is Daredevil. 
which is that's my number one <laughs> okay yeah my number one's doomsday clock so i was just talking okay. my number one's doomsday clock for the reasons you said and it's just this massive crossover one of the biggest comics of all time and it's just it's fantastic like it doesn't really have any flaws there's a few people like characters in it there's like eh, they didn't really be a part of the story but besides that like r- just reading in one sitting is going to be amazing and i'm waiting till i'm kind of calmed down from the hype of issue 12 but I do plan on reading it all in one sitting, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. By the time uh, the deluxe trade comes out, you'll probably have like fully calmed down and like forgotten some of the early stuff. Yeah, because that's on like what May, something like that. Yeah. So until then, I'm gonna wait until the deluxe trade. Daredevil's my number two. I think it's one of the best uh, street level stories we've had in years. It's fantastic. Like it's. It's got action, it's got stakes, risks, uh, care- huge amount of character development, other hero cameos that aren't, like, just kind of putting it there for fan service. Like, Spider-Man appears a few times, but there's a reason he's there. Yeah. And same with, like, the Defenders, Punisher. It, it's just, it's so interesting. And the way Chip Zdarsky, the writer, writes Kingpin is so, so, so good. So, yeah, yeah that's... I'd- you want to add yeah, to Daredevil no, I, at I, all? I definitely or? agree. Daredevil is my number one. It's uh, definitely my favorite ongoing currently. Uh, I just every issue, like the first thing I read that week, uh, including this week's issue, I thought it was pretty great. Hunter didn't get to read it yet, but I think he's gonna enjoy it. Uh, yeah, I just written so well. Daredevil's like that character who's always consistently written well, which is nice, and you know I like that. And it was great to jump on uh, when it started in. Beginning of 2019, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Pretty early 2019. Yeah, I think it's um, February 2019 that it started. Yeah, so I'm excited to see what year two brings. I've really enjoyed the series so far, and I, the the wait between each issue is like killer, but each issue is worth it. All right, that's our top five of 2019. We need to do top ten because we saved the top ten part of this episode for the comics of the generation. So the, also, we'd probably struggle to come up with ten titles. 2019 wasn't the best year for DC. Yeah, DC really struggled in 2019 with their it's Batman. It's so, Superman so, had so, his moment, but yeah, some of the honorable mentions I'd put in this top five. I thought Amazing Spider-Man had a really good year. I thought uh, there was another one I wanted to put in. No, I, I agree flash forward to my honorable mentions. Um, there's like Aquaman. I think is a oh good yeah, Aquaman mention. had a great year. That's right. Yeah, good point. So. So there's there's definitely a few that I think should be uh you know, not not everything's bad, but it's not the best. It's not like 2016 time at DC where really everything was fun. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I miss those days. So but we might go back to those days pretty quick here with uh, our top ten comics of the generation. This is the list where we're gonna go deep into. We're gonna get all nostalgic and maybe not so nostalgic if it was recent, but we're gonna go over from ten to one, and both both of us are different lists. Maybe it's pretty similar, though. Just saying why we love these comics and whatnot. So, you want to yeah. start with your number yeah, 10? Yeah, I'll start. Number, number 10, 10, Grayson by Tom King and Tim Seeley. Interesting. Okay. Interesting pick, right? It is you very interesting. That. I thought about that, too, putting that on my list. I, but So, so Grayson was weird for me. This is back when I was reading exclu- exclusively trade, so I didn't keep up with so I was on like Amazon and I saw a trade for Grayson. I was like, hey, that's Dick Grayson's last name. So I, I took a look and I was like, hmm, that looks interesting. I ordered it and I was like, a spy story about Dick Grayson. Okay, I, I can dig it. You know, he was quote unquote dead in the, uh, what was that, Forever Evil event. So, yeah. so I was like, all right, let's do it. And I found it to be a very interesting spy type story. I've always kind of been interested in spy type stuff. So to see it in a comic book form was really cool. 
I thought the co-writers did really well in that book. I thought the art was really good. That was, uh, I believe, Janine, uh, Michael Janine, who's done yeah. a lot of work on King's Batman. Yeah. So it was really good work, and I liked the writing a lot. So I'm going to put that in my number 10 slot. All right. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, I, I read Grayson when it first came out. Uh, I didn't. I have volume one in a tray because I missed the first three issues, and I don't read online. So I got the rest in single issues, and I didn't like it at first. I actually enjoyed it a lot more when I reread it, which was about a year ago. But at first, yeah, I just I, I think it, I think it gets better with time. I think probably at the time to read it was tough, just because like Nightwing just died, and you know he was going through somewhat of a rough patch in the New Fifty Two, at least in the beginning of the New Fifty Two. So. It was tough yeah. to see, you know, one of our favorites change like that. But compared to Rick Grayson, I mean, it's great. <laughs> like, you know, yes, definitely. My favorite issue of uh, Grayson is when he actually comes back to Gotham and he talks to the Bat family. And yeah, that's, great. that's a great it's issue. It's like, hey, I'm not dead. And I love the different reactions. Like, Damien just runs at him to give him a hug. Jason punches him across the face. And you have these speech bubbles all around of their past conversations with each other. And so that yeah. was my favorite issue, but it was the most Nightwingy issue of Grayson. So maybe yeah. I need to reread it. And again. I, well, yeah. I also like the the backwards issue, the one yeah. that goes through his entire history backwards. Which King did a similar issue in Batman recently, but uh, I, I thought that was really uh, as well. brilliantly written that you could read it either way. Yeah, I guess you could read it backwards and it still have the same impact in a way. That's a good point. Yeah, my number ten is house of x and powers of x okay that's my number nine so okay uh, <laughs> this is always my number nine my 10 and 9 were kind of a toss-up between the two for the reasons okay. i said before i mean it got me into x-men again and it makes me such a big x-men fan again because before yeah. i i was an x-men fan then i kind of lost a bit of hope and then house of x and powers of x had hickman returned to comics he took a bit of a break and he's a fantastic writer and this is a great story of just an island where mutants can be mutants and it's accepted by all but i also like how it's a little bit harsh in a way like no humans allowed and that's a hugely strict rule they don't care if you're good they don't care if you're like the richest man ever they don't care if you're a hero mutant if you're not a mutant you're not allowed here and that's the law and it's it's interesting how professor x is kind of like not a dictator just a strict leader but in a kind way it mm-hmm. it makes it it's really interesting I don't know how else to describe it besides interesting. <laughs> no, I, I agree. All the same stuff. I mean, we, we talked about it before, so there's not as much to say. But yeah, it was definitely enough to be an impact for the decade. And I'm curious to see where it will take X-Men for years to come. Yeah, and it has like moments like in Powers of X going through generations and the most important scene of X-Men history, which is what Hickman calls it. And it kind of is in a way. Just Professor X realizing like this woman living other lives and what she's going to do and the futures he's seen and everything. And he- him reading her mind is such an interesting scene where it's just a casual conversation to him screaming on the ground from reading this massive mind. So Oh, for sure. That's one of my favorite scenes too. Plus Apocalypse being a good guy and uh, Wolverine and him having a conversation. Magneto in all white. It's, it's nice. For uh, sure. Your number nine was, I guess, House Powers of X, so I'll go my number yeah, nine. Yeah, so you go right on your number nine. Yeah, my number nine is Super Sons from 2016. Oh, okay, that's on my honorable mentions. I really liked it. Okay, yeah, Super Sons, it's a short yet incredible series. George Jimenez is an art. It's just about the dynamic and relationship between Damian Wayne and John Kent, Robin and Superboy. You get to see them hate each other at first, to kind of hate each other, to kind of like each other, to becoming best friends, and it's well-written. 
it's fantastic art and it's just this really fun story that was canceled way too soon unfortunately but it's just seeing them talk about arguing over who's leader is like well i'm older i'm taller and i'll be older and taller so we'll never have that argument again certainly a special book one of those uh feel good type books i like yeah i always say about young justice in the 90s was that it's like like a book that always puts a smile on your face and that's how i felt about super sons uh i felt like each issue and tomasi definitely had a gift for this where he just made you smile from just seeing these two together yeah it was funny too it was like a legitimately funny book i would laugh a lot over some scenes in my opinion tomasi is the one writer who can make me like damian wayne really yeah i I don't love Damian Wayne as a character, but Tomasi, between this one and Batman and Robin, New 52, which is also on my honorable mentions list, uh, I, I think he just has such a way of writing Damian that makes him compelling to anyone. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. You, you, you want to go to your number eight? Yeah, number eight. So I'm going to go with a maxi series here. Uh, something that I read very recently in trade, Mr. Miracle. Nice. I'm sure this is on Hunter's list, but I'm sure it's much higher. Uh, but I, I absolutely... <laughs> love this maxi series i took forever to read it and i really wish i didn't i really wish i would have read it when it was coming out because it was it was really that great i just think the way it views life the way it views comic books it was just such an interesting story that took the medium further than i thought it could go and those are the books that i love that you know leave you thinking and something that you could recommend to people even who aren't the biggest comic book readers yeah, and it was something where you don't even have to be a big Mister Miracle fan to end up loving Mister Miracle. I mean, Mister Miracles—I mean, I don't want to say anything you know bad about the New Gods, but I don't think he had the biggest following before this book. So he went from a character that wasn't as much cared about to something that you could talk about every day. He's definitely a minor character, but I think he is the most popular New God even before the book. I mean, he was in Dark Side War and he played a major role in that. Yeah. So, yeah, but you don't have to know comics for this. His origin is explained right off the bat. Uh, I had a friend of mine read this who is not into comics at all. This was one of his first comic books, and he loved it. Uh, That's great. It's just a really deep story about, well, about a lot. So I'll yeah. say more into it later on this list, maybe, if it's on there. But yeah. It's definitely on your list, but <laughs> I figured I'd, I'd get know. mine out of the way early. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that was your number eight? Yes. Okay, my number eight is Daredevil 2019. Okay, that's that's my number seven. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay, I'm just right behind you here. Yeah, pretty much. Like we said before in our top comics of 2019, Daredevil is the perfect street-level story. It's about... Oh, yeah, okay, so it's about Matthew Murdock as Daredevil going a little bit too far. Uh, Someone gets killed, and it's kind of because of him. Because of that, he gets a stern talking to from Spider-Man. He gets beat up by a cop, and he is injured badly. Uh, he is no one at this point. So, and Foggy even tells him to quit. So he ends up actually quitting being Daredevil, and just he's going to be a lawyer. He's going to focus on that. But after getting to a little bit of a relationship with the librarian, he ends up falling into the crime again and seeing all this stuff is wrong, and he can he's the only one who can stop it. So goes back to the handmade suit that is very similar to the daredevil tv show on netflix uh he goes back to that suit along with a white version of it which looks sick and he goes back not necessarily being daredevil but being something else doesn't have a name i guess officially but yeah Um, i mean something i love about the series is that no matter what even when daredevil wants to turn a blind eye to the city blind eye 
But whenever he wants to turn a blind eye to the city, he realizes that no matter what, the city needs him. They need a hero. And even if it, he doesn't want it to be him, it has to be someone. And that's what Spider-Man shows. I, I, I just think it's brilliant that Chip Zarsky was able to write this high level of con- of quality. He's like such a comedian on social media between his uh, newsletters Newsletter, and, yeah. and his Instagram and Twitter. So. It's just hilarious to me that he could be like on one end of the spectrum where he's posting a picture of his bare ass when he's in a fountain, and on the other end he could write like the most compelling Daredevil issue in the decade. That's dark and emotional and deep. Yeah, it's so good though. I've read a lot of Daredevil, and this is one of my favorite stories of Daredevil ever. For sure, I I think by the time this run is done, I hope it goes a long time, but by the time this run is done, it will go down as one of the greatest Daredevil runs of all time, and I really hope one day Chip Zarsky gets on Batman or Nightwing. I I need it. (laughs) Oh, I love him on Nightwing. That'd be incredible. Number seven, so back to my number seven. Uh, My number seven is Thor God of Thunder by Jason Aaron. Started in 2012. Could be 2011, actually. I think it was 2011. Uh, It's just the best... Thor comic in my well what I've read I haven't read much Thor I do admit but this is a such a good Norse mythology story about a younger Thor today's age Thor and a future Thor as a bit of time travel to it so you see all three of these ages you see the younger Thor who's a little arrogant a little cocky doesn't have Mjolnir because he's not worthy you have the Thor that we know today the Avenger and then we have the old Thor King Thor who is bit more like Odin he's a grumpy old man in a way but it's interesting seeing all three of these these of the same character that are so different clash together and question each other and you have uh gore or yeah gore who's the main villain of most of his run uh who wants to kill every single god ever and he is this huge threat and he has something called a god bomb and that's what the second volume is about the god bomb and it's it's so good, and the art's so good, and it made me a Thor fan, and if you like fantasy, if you like Thor, if you want a superhero story that isn't necessarily set in a city, this is a story for you. It's extremely dark, there's torture scenes and whatnot, uh, it's not much comedy besides the occasional, like, get me an ale or something like that, it's a very dark story, it's got an actual villain that's threatening, uh, it has huge stakes, characters die, and... I would recommend this to anyone who likes books about power. I'm a big fan of Green Lantern, so I like when Green Lantern gets all powerful and does, like, planet-exploding hits and whatnot. This is mm-hmm. a run... This is a like Marvel's version of that. And when I got into this book, uh, I actually just read it recently. When I first bought all the volumes, I bought it at a comic store in Vancouver. And the comic guy... Or the comic book store guy, uh, he told me that when Scott Snyder was releasing Batman and New 52... This was Marvel's reply to it. This was like its contender. This was the best solo title of that time while uh, DC's was Batman. So if you like Batman New 52 and you want a story as good as that, Thor God of Thunder might be for you. This yeah, I, I got. Uh, <laughs> I have the Thor by Jason Aaron Complete Collection Book 1 in my Amazon cart, which has uh, issues 1 through 18, I believe, of that run. Yeah, that's so all of it. I, yeah, so I definitely want to read that uh, as soon as possible because it looks great. So uh, one of these days I'm going to get into it. I want to catch up a little bit on my shelf. Uh, yep. Yeah, the way you talk about it is great, and I see a lot of people post about it online. So I'm definitely interested in it. Super good. Yeah. All right. All right. Number six. Uh, number six. Uh, yeah, number six. Okay, yep. Aquaman by Jeff Johns. I, I misread my list there. Aquaman <laughs> by Jeff Johns. Nice. This is 
the character defining run for me. I like some of Peter David's stuff from the nineties Aquaman, but I think this is really who Aquaman is as a character. I think Jeff was able to reinvent him from being a joke of DC to being a serious king with the power level of Superman and that's respected by all. So I love this run. I, it's not that long. I mean, I think it's only like maybe 25 issues, but you just get so invested in it from the first book to the fourth book. So uh, I just love the way it builds Arthur as the king of Atlantis, how it builds Orm as a villain, Black Manta on the side. Even you can start to care about the others, which is Aquaman's group from when he was uh, younger, a younger hero. And I love the stakes of the book where uh, it tied in with Justice League, Throne of Atlantis, where it was able to destroy multiple cities, including Gotham City. and Gotham, just, New York, uh, I think LA was one of them. Yeah, uh, Boston maybe. Oh yeah, so, Boston was Boston, yeah. So it was great to see that that book was able to take things to new stakes. And I really enjoyed this book all in all. It really made Mera a great character, in my opinion. And if they're ever going to do an Aquaman and Mera wedding, I mean, I feel like Jeff Johns is the man to call with Ivan Reese on art. Also, yeah, the Ivan Reese art on it. I mean, just ridiculous how good it is. He's done so many great runs over the years. And Aquaman is definitely up there for some of his greatest. Oh, yeah, for sure. I love his Superman, too. But his Aquaman... The way he draws the scales shining in the water is so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so definitely good. one of my favorites, too. Um, the way the action is really good. A lot of Justice League members are in this title. But even besides that, you have uh, kind of a revamped Black Manta origin that's still pretty much the same as before. But you kind of get or do get to re-see that. You get to re-see the hatred of Aquaman after the death of his father. And it's just... That's the main arc that I remember, and Throne of Atlantis, which is what made Orm such a good villain. And it's what uh, the movie was eventually based off of, was this run right here. I always think of Throne of Atlantis when Orm is in the prison cell, and he's like, please, I, I just want to see my brother. I'm so thirsty. I don't belong here. And like, you just feel bad for Orm in the end, and you're like, damn, that's great writing. Yeah, I mean, he was put in a human prison, which is a place that he despised. He, I think he would have been more... Uh, like an angry villain in a prison if he was in like an Atlantean prison, but he was just terrified where he was here. So, you know, that is a good point. That is great, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think Jeff is very talented at that of making you feel bad for the villain. My favorite arc of all time, Blitz, he has you feeling bad for Hunter at the end, even though Hunter just killed Wally's unborn kids. Like, you shouldn't feel bad my for bad. him, but you do. So, yeah. I think that's just great writing. Did you All say right. my bad? That was yeah, nice. I, I got that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's my name. So, yeah. all right, uh, we're at number six, right? Yes. My number six is Superman Rebirth uh, by Peter. Okay. Let's see. Um, this is one of my favorite Superman stories ever, ever, ever. This is the first big Superman ongoing with John Kent. The first one being Superman Lois and Clark, which was more of a mini. Uh, this was the first series with raising John Kent and the first arc is called son of Superman. So it's about, it's not really like, Oh, I'm Superman here to save the day. It's more of a family title. So it's about Superman, Lois and John being a family while also kind of being superheroes on the side. Uh, Superman issue seven, which is the issue where they go to a carnival is one of my favorite issues of comics in general of all time. Uh, so it has that to it. It's got great arcs. You got, uh, Raising John, you got fighting aliens, you got going to other other dimensions, you got other dimensions coming to you. Uh, for example, the Russian Superman appears in issue eight, I believe. 
And Ivan Reese is yeah. an art on that arc, so that was one of the first little teases of seeing a Superman. Uh, even though it ended shortly, it's only 45 issues, issue 45 is still really nice to read and just puts a smile on your face as you see them all moving away from uh, Smallville, which I kind of wish they stayed, but I understand why they didn't. They had to move to Metropolis for their work. It's just, it's such a good series and I'm, I really miss it. Yeah, I mean, I'll save my thoughts for later because it might be on my list. But oh, just, just the fact that all the arcs were so great. I mean, it was able to, in the second arc, it built the Super Sons up. And the first Super Son of Superman is one of my favorite arcs. Uh, I think it's issue nine is the one where they go to the fair or issue eight. Uh, it's issue seven. Seven. Okay. One, one of the greatest uh, single story issues of all time, in all honesty. I, I love that yep. story so much. It's just nice to see Superman being Clark. So, yeah, uh, but I'll say my thoughts. Like I said, I'll say my thoughts for later because it might pop up again. <laughs> okay. Uh, number five. Number five. Okay. Batman by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. That's my number I... five too. <laughs> okay. Perfect. That works out. So yeah. this is a, probably the run that got me into Batman. I had read Batman before some Graham Morrison stuff, some Chuck Dixon stuff, but Nothing like I never read a full run before, and getting into this run in trade was amazing. Uh, Court of Owls just took me by surprise of how much I wanted to like keep reading it. Like I couldn't put the book down when I first read Court of Owls and City of Owls. So uh, just such an all-time great run. I, I think it's like one of my best Batman memories that I'll have reading those books uh, Same, from the library, yeah. which is pretty awesome. And. Uh, it's just such a special run. I think, you know, sometimes it gets a little wacky towards the end with the whole... Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Jim Gordon Batman stuff. and you know, Giant robot. The, yeah, some, some of the later stuff is a little wacky. But I just think the beginning is so great. And I, I love that the Talons and the Owls were able to become such a big part of the Bat mythos in the modern age. Yeah, a lot of people forget that the Court of Owls started with Scott Snyder. He was the one that came up with the Court of Owls and it became this huge thing. It's got an animated movie. It's appeared in Gotham. It's mentioned all the time. It's in Green Arrow. It's in um, Nightwing, kind of, right now. But it's such a huge thing that Scott Snyder came up with to start his Batman run. Well, his New 52 Batman run, because he did have a bit of comics beforehand. Um, Batman New 52 is absolutely incredible. It is my personal favorite Batman run. And I do like the Jim Gordon stuff, and I do like the last arc too with Mister Bloom. The only thing uh, that Mister Bloom is fantastic. I would love to see him return. Yeah, I mean we haven't seen him since. Uh, this is my favorite Batman run, like I just said. So I, this is kind of what got me into comics fully. So I read a lot of comics beforehand, mostly not really superhero comics. I read like a trade here and there. Like I, I knew the big stories, Batman Hush, Killing Joke, stuff like that. Besides that, I read Sonic the Hedgehog comics and Mega Man comics and Walking Dead, but. Then Batman and Fifty Two started. I read Court of Owls, City of Owls, uh, Death of Death of the Family, and after that, I was caught up because uh, their Death of the Family just finished, and I got into comics through these Batman issues, and yeah. from there I read Justice League, and then I got into Flash, and so on and so forth. So Batman and Fifty Two got me into comics, so it kind of has a special nostalgic place in my heart, but. Even then, just reading it alone, it's fantastic stories. I think Snyder writes the best Joker uh, that I've read, personally. I think I like how he's kind of terrifying and like a horror movie character more than like a typical superhero villain. Uh, he writes a good Bat Family, even though he kind of avoids using them a lot. And his Batman, although he's gotten a little jokey recently, 
back in New 52, he was a really great, serious character, but with heart to him. So yeah, Batman New 52 was fantastic. Yeah. No, it's, it's one, one of my all-time favorite runs of, obviously, the 2010s, no, number five there, but uh, just something that really helped spur me into, hey, I want to read comics more. So, yeah, definitely exactly. special. Uh, all right, number four, Hal and Pals by Robert Venditti. Same. Uh, Hal Jordan, <laughs> the Corpse, full. Okay. Same. <laughs> I, I definitely expect to be very similar towards the top because yeah, top five we is have very, be very similar. similar. <laughs> I can probably guess you're uh, three and one. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just think this is such a great run. Uh, it really got me into Green Lantern, like, in the more modern age. I didn't read as much New 52 Green Lantern as I would have liked. I was big into Jeff Johns' Green Lantern run from the 2000s, and I was big into Kyle Rayner's run from the 90s, which was written by Ron Mars mostly. Uh, so I, I just think it's like Green Lantern is one of those very consistent characters like Daredevil is at Marvel. He has so many great runs and like, very few bad runs. <laughs> That's actually a good point. Uh, uh, yeah, Green, Green Lantern is like the Daredevil Marvel to the point where there isn't many bad comics. Yeah, it's tough to find one. So, uh, Robert Venditti did a great job. He finished out the new 52 of Green Lantern, uh, which I didn't get as much into, but I think one day I'll go back and read it. It's good. Uh, but ha- Hal and Pals, I mean, just from the beginning, it grabs you. I think that first arc, uh, Bottled Light, is just so good. Uh, finding the entire Green Lantern, of course. Uh, Kyle starting out as a White Lantern and seeing him grow, even though I would have liked for him to stay as a White Lantern. Me too. Uh, so many, So many cool feats. I mean... I think of Hal with the planet. I think of Hal creating the willpower ring. I mean, there's just so much great stuff written in this run. And I think it's often overlooked when it comes to great Green Lantern runs because it's not Jeff Johns. And I'm one of the biggest defenders of Jeff. But this run is up there, you know, with some of the greatest Green Lantern comics of all time. It made Hal the most powerful, one of the most powerful superheroes ever, too. I mean, the guy blew up a planet. (laughs) So... Uh, yeah. he, he made his own ring from his own willpower and he, he became so powerful he he can glow green and there's even like it's such a fun issue with the four horsemen Hal Jordan, Guy Gardner, John Stewart and Kyle Rayner uh, there's a point where Hal is captured by a Superman villain, Zod and so they gotta go get him and Hal sends his location by sending his own ring to uh, Oa which is where they were living at the time oh no they were living on Mogo sorry Mogo yeah and Kyle puts on Hal's ring, and because it's made of pure will of Hal, he kind of goes a little, like, supercharged and hyper, in a way. And it, some of the lines are just so funny in this, like, charging into war, screaming, like, who let the war dogs out or something, and guy just telling him to shut up. And yeah. guys, all the constructs are really great. The art's fantastic. This is, a, if you like, like I said with the Thor, uh, when I was talking about Thor earlier, if you like powerful heroes, this is like the perfect book because they really show the power that the Green Lanterns have, the reason why they are the biggest threat to villains of the galaxy and why they're the police of space, space cops. So yeah. even like, it's so good. It's so good. You get so many classic villains too, like Zod, he wasn't even a Green Lantern villain. You get Lar Fleas, Lar frickin' Fleas, as they said every time they mentioned him. Uh, yeah, Atrocitus has been mentioned. You get Sinestro. The the Yellow Lantern Corps join join the Green Lantern Corps to become one, or Green Lantern Corps. Sorry, uh, you get uh, White Lanterns. You get Blue Lanterns. It's just it's so good. Arkillo becomes a friend to Guy. Arkillo is like this huge monstrous Yellow Lantern, and they become like drinking buddies. It's it's so good. 
Yeah, something I have to give credit to Robert Venditti is that he made me like Guy Gardner. I yeah, never liked me too. Guy I thought he was kind of pretentious and well, kind of a dick. But he was, I, yeah. I Venditti wrote him and making Arkillo a good friend of his. I mean, I, just brilliant. Like I said at the end of Hallam Pals, probably on the podcast, I think. Uh, that I would read a six issue mini of or three issue mini, I don't care how many issues it is, of Arkillo and Guy just traveling in space Me too. by Robert Venditti. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. And I mean, I didn't like Guy before either. He was kind of a bully in a way. Yeah. But they made him not necessarily a bully, just like more of a redneck, but also a hero. Like a likable redneck in a way. Does that make yeah, sense? And and I, and I think the, yeah, and this run also brought us Rafa Sandoval on Green Lantern, who already established himself as one of the greatest Green Lantern artists right away. Just the way he draws constructs is so pretty. Yeah, and for sure. Yeah, we just got we just got a lot of great stuff from this book. And making Zod a Green Lantern villain, I thought was brilliant. I was so invested in what's happening on New Krypton, and I, you know, Bendis is like touching on upon it a little bit, but I'd like, love to see more of it. And you know, I, I just think it was so well written. And I really miss Vendetti on Green Lantern. Like Me I too. miss having the corpse book, a core book rather. It was so good. Need anymore? We haven't seen Kyle Rayner. We haven't seen Guy Gardner. Sorry, since Adventures of the Super Sons, and he was in one panel. Yeah, <laughs> so, we haven't seen him in a while. Yeah. Uh, number three, Justice League by Jeff Johns. Same Justice League Fifty Two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Perfect. I was gonna say we should say okay. it at the same time, but yeah, Justice League Fifty Two. <laughs> That's pretty hilarious. Justice League by Jeff Johns. It's uh, my second favorite Justice League run of all time. JLA ninety seven still barely beats it, but this was a great run. It had the greatest arc of the new Fifty Two, aka Dark Side War. Dark Side yeah. War. I knew Hunter loved that. My favorite comic <laughs> uh, story. But it, it, I thought Origin was such a great arc. I thought it was a great way to uh, reestablish the Justice League in the I modern age. Dark Side. Yeah. Like right off the bat, just really cool right off the bat. Um, I even like the second arc, uh, Villain's Journey. I, I thought it was really well written and it established like who these characters are going to be for this run. So Wonder Woman was a little bit more cold. Hal was a little bit more cocky. Barry was a little bit more talkative. Like it was interesting. I love yeah. the team dynamic they had. And I thought that even though I didn't love New Fifty Two Superman, I thought Jeff wrote him very well. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of New Fifty Two either, but in this, he's more like. He's still Superman, and he just seems a bit more younger, which is okay in this case. I mean, these are younger versions of the characters, kind of. Um, Hal was kind of the same in some point. I guess a bit more cocky than more serious than more he was cocky. before. Uh, every arc is good. Even the, I think the most forgettable one for me, I recently reread the entire run, but Grid? beforehand the most forgettable arc was the toxic one right before Dark Side War, like the, the zombie-ish oh, okay. one. But where, like, there's toxic in the air and the Justice League needs to try to get rid of it. And I think Flash's metabolism is kind of keeping him from not getting infected. But some characters are, and it's interesting. I like it a lot. So Yeah, I, I was thinking the forgettable arcs for me are probably, like, uh, the one between Throne of Atlantis and uh, where they meet the crime syndicate. Um, the grid one. I didn't think that was, you know, the most memorable. But okay, yeah, that's I fair. still think it's serviceable. But I think this, you're right, it did have a lot of great arcs. I loved the way it brought in the crime syndicate and made them very relevant, uh, just very well written. And the art, again, was really good. There was Ivan Reese in the beginning, uh, Jim, well, Jim Lee in the beginning, Ivan Reese in the middle, and Jason Fabok in the end. I mean, can those you get are, a better trio? Yeah, I was going to say, those are like the three best artists at DC. <laughs> yeah. Especially at the so, time. Um, every 
arc kind of connects together, which is nice. Like, Forever Evil will connect to the Shazam arc from before, and that'll, and Forever Evil also connects to later on in Dark Side War. Uh, even then, at the end of Forever Evil, Lex Luthor saves the world, and then he is a main character for the rest of the run. He figures out Bruce Wayne's Batman, he kind of invites himself into the league they're forced to accept captain cold is his right hand man and captain cold has a crush on wonder woman which is they have nice banter back and forward it's just i don't, I don't like being called leonard but when she says it it's not so bad yeah <laughs> that, that's a yeah that's a line for the toxic arc too that i was talking about dark side yeah. war is fantastic you introduce character like grail you have uh, spin-offs announced from it, like the death of New 52 Superman, Wonder Woman has a brother, and Three Jokers, which apparently is happening still. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's so good, and I, I love that arc so much, and I, I want to reread Justice League New 52 now. If, if yeah, you want so a good I. Justice League, mo- a modern Justice League story, like start with Origin, go from there. You don't need to know anything beforehand. It's just, it's perfect. Yeah, Origin is literally meant for new readers. I think it's a great way to get introduced to the Justice League. So yeah. uh, when, I, when I read that run, I always thought it was very cinematic in the way it told stories. And I'm like, wow, yeah, it feels like Justice League movies, if they're anything like this, it's going to be great. Well, not so much. but <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's nothing like that, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I mean, how, even though Darkseid is like the big bad of the League, having him start off as like the main villain and end the arc as the main villain was... Probably not on purpose, but pretty clever. <laughs> it might have been on purpose. Jeff plans really far ahead. I mean, he was talking about, like, Blackest Night and Sinestro Corpse Wars in Green Lantern Rebirth, so... Oh, that's a good point, yeah. That's, that is he, a good point. He, does he plans really far ahead, I think. Even if he doesn't know exactly what he's going to do, he has at least a rough idea in his mind. I mean, he's the greatest comic creator of all time. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, so... Justice League New 52, great Number book. Number three. Very, yeah. very readable. And if you've never read it, I highly recommend. The trades are easy to get. Yeah. So, All right. Number, Number two, two. Uh, Superman by Tomasi and Gleason. Hey. Such a special run in my heart. It really made me love Superman again. Like I said, like I mentioned before, the New 52 was a tough time for Superman fans. The book was just not good in the New 52. So to see Superman return to his full glory in Superman Rebirth was so good. To see him become a family man, so good. Uh, every arc was just really good. At the end's a little whack with the Bizarro World, but uh, as he mentioned, before, as Hunter mentioned before, issue forty-five is really nice. Uh, the way it wraps up the story. I wish the run could have went longer. I think they definitely had more ideas to go longer. But regardless, it'll always be a special run to me. And yeah, I just always love it. It's a great story for even if you're a new fan and you just want to get into Superman. This shows that it's not like a lot of Superman stories, which I find show off. This is how strong he is. This is how powerful it is. It's like, this is how hopeful he is. This is how it's nice. It's tough to make new characters likable, in my opinion. I think a lot of writers struggle with that. But John, right off the bat, you love him and you care about him so much. And it's so nice to see him grow up and go through the lessons of life the same way Clark did. But with, you know, two parents who are experienced in that kind of thing. I always think back to when he accidentally killed the cat. I was about to say. Like, life lesson that he learned from that. I, I just think it's brilliant writing. I, I met Pete Tomasi at a Comic-Con, and I just like shook his hand and thanked him. I was like, thank you for Superman Rebirth. It really helped renew my faith in Superman, and I, you know, I really appreciate you for that. And he was like, you know, appreciative that I would, would come up to him and say that. So it, yeah. it was a really cool interaction, and it'll always be such a special run to me. I'm jealous that you got to meet him. I, if I ever get to meet him, I get him to sign Superman issue 
one, Superman issue seven, and Superman issue forty-five. <laughs> yeah, like, those are those are the three to get. I think those. Yeah, are the three. for sure. Did you He's get on the side? Oh, take, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't pack. I, I when I got to the con, I was like, oh no, I never packed Superman forty-five because that's the one I wanted him to sign. I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you got something signed from him. Yeah, so that's cool. Okay, um, after Superman, uh, I guess my number two is Mister Miracle. I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah, it was it had to be one or two. So, uh, Mister Miracle is my favorite. Uh, well, I guess not my favorite, but one of my favorite comics of all, all time. It is perfect. It has no flaws. Mitch Garrods is on art, and it's so good. It fits the story so well. He does this little static effect here and there to show: is this real? Is it not? Is the story actually happening, or is it a dream? And it kind of gets you thinking throughout the entire thing. And one of the first lines in the very first issue of this 12-issue series is Scott Free looks at his wife and says, Your eyes, they're brown. They're usually blue, are they not? And she's like, No, they've always been brown. He's like, No, they're, they haven't. And it gets you thinking. There are, there's little things throughout the entire story where there's something that's there in one scene, and then the next it's gone. Like, is this real? Is he in a dream? What, what's going on? Is he being, is he being pranked? We don't know until the end. And then even at the end, you still, you're kind of left to your mind to find out what's been happening this entire time. It's a really good story. It doesn't feel like a superhero story, despite him putting on the suit in pretty much every issue and fighting people in pretty much every issue. It's a, it's a sad story. It deals with depression. It deals with suicide. It deals with uh, stress, especially with work and family and relationship and boss and boss being dark side in this case but it's it's a really deep story it won awards for a reason i would recommend this to anyone who wants to kind of sit back away from the action superhero type things and still read a comic book set in maybe the dc universe and this is a good story i mean you get dc characters batman's mentioned multiple times uh blue beetle and booster gold appear in a scene uh you get a few other heroes here and there but it has an ending that makes you think, and has character development that is absolutely unreal. It goes through about a year in time, that's just an estimate, because throughout every issue there's a time jump, and you see Scott's hair grow and his beard grow, so start of the issue he's clean shaven, and like halfway through he has like a full bushy beard, and it's it's good attention to detail. So I, I could talk about this book forever, it's fantastic. Oh, for sure. The deep analysis videos that I've seen, I mean, it's just so great. And I love that the ending is very open-ended, where it's really how you view it. And that, that's a sign of a good story, that it's open-ended, but it's okay that it's open-ended. Like, you enjoy it being open-ended. Yeah, because sometimes open-ended is like, wait, that's the ending? That's it? What, what now? But this one is like, whoa, that's the ending. That's yeah, it. And, I, and I think with rereads, I mean, I've read it twice now. I feel like with rereads, you grow to appreciate it even more and you grow to appreciate the ending even more yeah you notice things sense. for sure so knowing the yeah. ending and going through it you're like oh oh okay that's why <laughs> so because when i was reading this i was also following up like i read this in trade like when it first came out i got it in trade and i read it immediately and i read it again like right after but mm. uh i was kind of following it here and there on social media when it was coming out oh. in issues. And a lot of people, every single time a new issue came out, they would message King like, is this canon? And he would always reply, yes. It's like, is this in continuity? He would reply, yes. It's like, but 
blah 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 and he just replied just read it and wait till it ends and so i understand the frustration from reading it right away and people being like but this doesn't make sense because blah 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 is dead right now and king being like just keep reading (laughs) so it's interesting i like it a lot i like how it kind of explained but kind of not for sure number one all right, number one, Doomsday, Doomsday Clock. Clock. Yeah. <laughs> There's not really much we have to say because, I mean, it's been the topic of our podcast from the very beginning. But Yeah, literally. Just, it's an all-time great book, and it connected. It worked when it shouldn't have. Watchmen going into the DC Universe shouldn't have worked, but it did. So, I mean, it's written by Jeff Johns or by Gary Frank. Yeah, it has delays, and a lot of people were annoyed by that. If we were to go over flaws... Like, there's a few characters that don't have to be in it. But besides that, it's fantastic. You feel the panic in some scenes. You feel, like, what the characters are feeling. The first thing that comes to mind when I mention that is when Batman is in the Batwing going as fast as he can to Russia, screaming into Superman's comp that that's not Firestorm. When oh, uh, yeah. Manhattan eventually kind of blows up the area. and For sure. Like, you, you feel the, the panic, and you can see the stress on Batman's face as he's just racing, trying to get to his friend. Screaming like you're wrong. What you're what you're seeing? That's not Firestorm. It's something yeah. else. Uh, I, I can't wait to read the full story trade. It's going to be so good. But Doomsday Clock, it'll always have a special place in my heart, and I can always remember. You know, it'll be like when people, older people, tell us the stories of like when they were reading Watchmen single issue. That's our Watchmen. Yeah, literally it's about Doomsday Clock. So I have all twelve issues bagged and boarded, <laughs> and yeah. I would love to get them all signed. Oh, of course. I, I don't know if they let me sign all four out of con or anything, but yeah. I mean, I'll wait in line. I'll, I'll try to get issue one at least if they ever yeah. come to Canada. So definitely. But yeah, that's yeah. our comics of the decade. Yeah. Uh, so just to wrap up the episode, now we'll take some of your guys' questions. I posted on my story very last minute. I meant to do it earlier, but I completely forgot. But we actually got a handful of questions from you guys from the thirty minutes that the story was up. So let's get right to it. Yeah. Uh, number one, would you want to flash DCAU TV show by Bruce Timm? So I assume they mean back when, you know, Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Just League the Animated Series, and all that were on. And the answer is definitely yes. Uh, Some of the greatest animated TV came from the Tim slash Deaniverse. And I always thought Wally West was written really amazingly on that show. And I would have loved to see see a full flash be more. Just more. It was always great in Justice League, and I would have liked to see more. So... Yes. If this was the early 2000s, yes. But right now, nah. Bruce Timm, he's kind of odd now. (laughs) I mean, he he did Batman and Harley Quinn and didn't like that at all. Terrible. Uh, So I don't know if I trust him with the Flash family right now. But early 2000s, yes. Back back in the 2000s, definitely. Right now, I wouldn't mind a Flash movie uh, with the current dc animation going on right now i wouldn't mind it's own. i mean it's mostly just batman stuff but i mean i'd be okay if they did like a adaptation of a flash show Maybe i just don't know do DC I, I just don't know if i trust them to do stories right after batman hush and batman killing joke i don't know i fear a little bit of changing stories yeah i mean but. i love to see them do dc universe rebirth so that'd oh, be fun for sure it'll and be, have the wally west return because wally west isn't in that universe right now so That'd be a perfect yeah. opportunity to bring him in. Yeah, yeah definitely. All right, uh, number two. How was your guys' Christmas? It was good. Uh, my Christmas, yeah, my Christmas was very good. I always enjoy Christmas. It's probably my favorite holiday. I mean, I like Thanksgiving a lot too, but both holidays are great. And uh, yeah, it's just the mark of the end of, end of the year. Getting older, crazy, but it's cool. I like it. Yeah, Christmas I, I had fun. I, I saw family. It was nice. Yeah, 
How was your Christmas? <laughs> it was good, you know? See family? Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Cool. All right. <laughs> <Next>. <laughs> Favorite Star Wars character? Uh, for me, it's always a toss-up between Anakin and Obi-Wan. I'm a pretty cool guy, and I love the Clone Wars animated series, which Hunter is watching, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm, season, season I'm, two, halfway through, I'm, I'm doing a slow burn. <laughs> Okay, I'm currently rewatching, and I'm already on season five, so I've Jeez, been watching way okay. too fast. But <laughs> not gonna lie, season one uh, sucked. <laughs> not gonna lie, season one's a little slow, but I still like it. But okay, yeah, yeah, it gets better as you go, so you'll enjoy. Yeah, it. Yeah, I know it gets so, better as I go. So always a toss up between Obi Wan and Anakin for me. Uh, for me, it's a toss up between Obi Wan and Luke. So I, I like the original trilogy the best. I mean, we we actually might be doing a huge Star Wars podcast coming up pretty quick here. Uh, uh, talking about Star Wars in general with uh, an Instagram user called Comic Boy. So we were invited to be little guests on the show, and maybe you'll be a guest on here, and we'll talk more into Star Wars. But uh, original trilogy is my favorite, so I'm a big Luke Skywalker fan, and Obi-Wan's my favorite in the prequels. I think I don't, I'm don't the biggest fan of episode one and two. I do really like three, though. But in mm-hmm. one and two, Obi-Wan shines, and I think he's the best Star Wars character because of that. Yeah. But I do really right. like Luke. I don't really like Luke too much in the sequels, but I like him a lot. <laughs> the hermit crabs? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like him in Force Awakens. <laughs> I like the idea <laughs> of him. And I, I like him in... Uh, I'll stop talking in case people haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's there's rumors of a animated show taking place after Return of the Jedi by Dave Filoni, who did Clone Wars, uh, of Luke's Jedi School. So, oh, I know a I guy mean, who could voice rumors Luke. Rumors for now, but would be great. Yeah, And Mark Camel, they said, would be down to voice it. And um. Wouldn't be shocked if he would, because he's a great voice actor, and I know he loves Luke Skywalker. So. He loves the character, so yeah, he definitely would be down. Yeah, so. Cool. All right, uh, number, what did I say? Number four, favorite single issue comic story. So I actually did a whole post about this where I named a bunch of my favorite ones. My favorite one will always be Flash number zero, which is the story where uh, Wally West goes back and talks to his past self. Uh, such a brilliant story by Mark Wade. Technically a tie into an arc, but I really view it as a single issue story. Uh, but if I had to pick one that's really single issue story, Birds of Prey number eight, which is when Dick Grayson takes Barbara Gordon on the trapeze. Such a great issue oh, yeah. for Dick Babs fans and an all time great. Uh, first thing that goes to my mind is DC Universe Rebirth number one. I mean, that's of course. A single issue story. It's the return of Wally West. It's the start of Rebirth. It came out in May 2016. It was great. Uh, another one that comes to mind is Batman Father's Day. Which is a fairly recent story about just celebrating Alfred and the stress that oh, Alfred yeah, has. Oh, yeah, Annual 3 by Tom Taylor. Great issue. Yeah, exactly. It, the official title is Father's Day. So it's about just Alfred being really stressed over Bruce being out at night as Batman. But uh, Bruce on Father's Day giving him a day off and cooking him a meal for, in bed and giving him my coffee and tea. And it's it's a heartwarming story. After this is I read that come to mind. Yeah, after I read Pennyworth R.I.P., I'm probably going to reread that annual three and cry. <laughs> Same. Gone, but, Same. Yeah. I still have. I beg and board that issue, I believe. But yeah. So, so did I. It was a great issue. Those are the two that come to my mind. And like like we mentioned earlier, uh, Superman number seven. Yeah, definitely. Which is the Carnival okay. story. Okay, number five. What uh, What's your favorite author and book by them, and why do you like the book slash author? So I'll give you my three favorite comic book authors that I always bring up. Number one, Jeff Johns, favorite Same. book by him, Flash Blitz, of course. Yep. My number two is Chuck Dixon, and my favorite story by him is probably Nightwing, The Hunt for Oracle, but I love so much of his work. It's really hard to pick. He wrote Nightfall, for God's sakes. It's great. Um, and number three, Mark Wade, and my favorite story by Wade, of course, is The Return of Barry Allen, which is an all-time great Flash story. So, yeah, that's my rundown of my three favorite. And uh, I love them. 
because they're just great writers. Yeah, Jeff Johns for me. Uh, I don't really have three ready. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> so, uh, Jeff Johns. Right, well, whenever I, when I talk about my favorite comic book writer, I always got to bring up the top three because I can't just leave them out. <laughs> okay, I'll say like Jeff Johns, Pete Tomasi. Like these are two guys that I'll read whatever they put out, really. Um, I'll also throw in Tom King if it's a mini or maxi series, not an ongoing. Good but thing I, we got two maxis coming up in 2020. Yeah, we do. Strange Adventures and Batman and Catwoman. Uh, for yeah. author, I love Fabok. I love Fabok with Jeff Johns. I love Gary Frank with Jeff Johns as well. I like Francis Manupel with Jeff Johns. <laughs> the three artists that come to mind, though, are for favorites are Fabok, Ivan Reeves, George Jimenez, and I guess Jim Lee, too. I mean, I know everyone loves Jim Lee, but it's Jim Lee. Come on. <laughs> Oh yeah, all time greats for sure. I'll read anything Jim Lee throws out. So yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number six. What creators would you want to get? Would you want to appear on the podcast in 2020? That's a good question. Um, we've reached ski. out to a lot of. <laughs> we, so we've reached out to a lot of creators. It's tough to book creators. Uh, trying to get them on a podcast, but uh, we're definitely trying. And I hope in 2020 we're able to get a few. Um, some big ones that I'd like to get, at least for modern DC writers, I'd definitely like to get Brian Michael Bendis. I think Tom King would be great. Scott Snyder, a lot of fun. So uh, James Tinion probably, now that he's on Batman, I think would be cool. So definitely a lot of writers that I would like to get at some point. Um, as for older creators, I mean, Mark Wade's a dream because, you know, Flash. Um, <laughs> Chuck Dixon's a dream because Nightwing. And uh, I'd like to get an artist on at some point. Mitch Gerards would be cool with me. I was about to say, M- Mitch Gerards for sure. Uh, he's one that I really want. He's a little bit of an inspiration of mine. Uh, Jason Fabog will be great. I, I really, okay, 2020 goal for the podcast is to get an artist on. Uh, we're definitely going to have some writers on, I guarantee you that. But I really want to try to aim for an artist, so I'll, I'll mess with some artists for sure. Uh, but like he said, Tom King for sure, Bendis would be great, Tomasi would be great, Snyder would be great. Uh, it's a little difficult for these, so when we had Joshua Williamson on, writer of Flash, we went through DC for that. And when we had Scott Lobdell, we kind of went through just him for that. And then DC. So it's kind of like, it's kind of difficult to book people, especially like we were trying to get Chip Zdarsky on recently, who's rare Daredevil, and we try going through him, and we're trying to figure out how to go through Marvel for that. So bear with us. We'll get some writers and some more guests on, but it's going to be a little difficult. And if you guys have other ideas for guests too, I mean, other Instagram accounts, other, like if you want cosplayers on, we could probably get that. I know we're having uh, Eunice, World of Flash. She's going to be on within the next few weeks here. Uh, when we review the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths. So yes. if you guys have guests that you really want, whether it be writer, artist, cosplayer, Instagram account, let us know. We'll shoot them a message and we'll get back to you on a hero story. Yeah, but we'll definitely try to get some creators on. I got yeah, a few people definitely. in mind. I've sent out a few messages with little bites, but you know, the more writers and creators that we get on, the easier it is to get future creators on because it shows that you know we have a reputation for this. And we actually have, uh, you know open inquiries currently with writers so i won't reveal who it is but we're working with people's teams right now to see who we can get so i'm hoping to get one soon we are in contact with dc basically they know who we are so yeah yeah okay um top five favorite non-comic book movies okay um do you have five on hand that you get to shoot out i could shoot out five on hand that not in a specific order okay yeah that's what i was thinking too uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Okay. Uh, La La Land. Uh-huh. 
I was about to say Scott Pilgrim versus the world, but technically that's a comic book movie. So All right, it is. Um uh you want to name two <laughs> yeah so uh uh my favorite of all time is it's a wonderful life it's from 1945 i think or 1946 but it's still great today um i also love la la land shawshank redemption uh da, 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 it's funny because i like. see a movie oh, whip, like every whiplash. week <laughs> oh whiplash yeah, is good um, yeah um i like also, this italian movie called cinema paradisimo i think it's really good um Count of Monte Cristo, I love. It's an older film, but I love it. And uh, her, her, Walking Phoenix. Yeah, hey, Jinx. Her, um, Call Me By Your Name, uh, Blade Runner, 2049. Oops. Yeah, I'm getting my ears mixed up. <laughs> uh, dang, I had one in my head and I just lost it. Oh, uh, Lighthouse, which I which came out this year. That was my movie oh, of really the year. Wa- I really want to watch that. Yeah, that's definitely my movie of the year that came out. Um mm. Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood was really good. Uh, uh-huh. I'm just naming movies I saw recently because it's 20, 2020 and I'm just thinking of 2019 right now. Uh, I wasn't ready yeah, for I mean, this. Yeah, I love but... older stuff like like The Departed, uh, Good Will Hunting, Goodfellas, stuff like that. Uh, I think are all great movies. Saving Private Ryan, uh, One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest is great. Oh, Cashing I love that. Can. Yeah. Oh, uh, Conjuring, The Shining. I'm a big horror movie fan, so th- those two are fantastic. Doctor Sleep was great. Uh we're just this is not a top five we're just spitballing here but i i really like movies and maybe one day we'll do a episode where i'll actually think about this and put down a list but right now like if top five favorite movies of all time uh i have spider-verse on there and i have like scott pilgrim so they don't really count but uh-huh. yeah like i'd say all three lord of the rings those are my favorite movies of all time fellowship two towers and return of the king so mm-hmm. those three la la land and yeah yeah for sure all right, and uh, our final question of the 75th episode. Uh, do you think the Dawn of X has been successful in following up House of X slash Powers of X? So we're not fully capable of answering this question because yeah. of we don't read every X title. There's a lot of them. We read X-Men, and I've heard others are great, and I do want to get into others eventually, but for now I just read X-Men. I think X-Men has been pretty good. I mean, it's only a few issues so far, but I thought it's been enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I'm looking I, really I, forward to the Fantastic Four X Men crossover by Chips Arsky. Oh, I forgot about that. That's in February. Yeah, yeah. I'm super pumped for that. Um, yeah, we're just reading X Men right now. I kind of am following up with uh, New Mutants, Motors, and uh, X Force. Like, I kind of uh-huh. know the story involved. I know the whole thing with Kitty Pride and all like, uh-huh. her not being a mutant, maybe. But. Uh, I just read X-Men for now. I'm just following up the others from just hearing people talk about them. But I think House of X and Powers of X is perfection. I think X-Men is great. A perfection, but great. But, like, it's understandable. I mean, House of X Powers of X, that was the big bang to get you ready for these series. And now it's going to be, like, an ongoing comic. And I think X-Men's going to get really good. I'm really excited for the stuff they're setting up. But right now, yeah. I, like, if I were to say, what's better, the first three issues of... X-Men are the first three issues of House of X. I'd say House of X for now. But I think X-Men's going to get really good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I'm really excited for the mini coming up in February. One of the best writers in comics currently going to write it. And it's an interesting topic. Yeah, it's about, for those who don't know, it's about uh, Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman. So Reed and Susan, their son, uh, since they both have powers, he was born with powers. And that kind of makes him a mutant. Does he belong to be living with them, like his family, or should he be with the mutants on Krakoa? 
So yeah. Cyclops believes that he should be with them, like on the X-Men, while uh, the Fantastic Four believe they should be with them as a family in the Fantastic Four. So it's a cool topic, yeah. and I'm really excited for it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty it. much the end of the episode. Uh, yeah. That went longer than I thought it would. I didn't think well, we were talking before the episode. I'm like, I don't think we have that much material to cover, but turns out we do. Yeah. <laughs> we just went uh, a lot so in depth with our the top ten there, which was fun. Yeah, I, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, this was a fun one to record for me, definitely. Me to too. just reminisce about old comics. I love that kind of talk. Yeah, uh, every yeah, regular episode next week. Yeah, definitely. Every single so. uh, comic we talked about, we both highly recommend for new readers and old readers alike. So if you yeah. want a good story, just listen to this episode. Listen to the comments that we mentioned, why, and maybe you'll find something that's interesting. Like we we went over powerful characters like Thor and Green Lantern and street little characters like Batman and Daredevil. So kind of find sure. what you like and go from there. Yeah, yeah. which is, yeah, definitely. So uh, for a hero story, I'm JD. And I'm Hunter. And thanks for being a hero. And remember, every second is a gift. Goodbye. Thanks for 75 episodes. Bye.